Welcome to JR Out Loud, the podcast of Jewish Renaissance. My name is Judy Herman, and I'm incredibly excited today because I'm in a dressing room at the Playhouse Theatre where Caroline or Change is playing, and I am with a bit of two superstars, I would say, actually. I think we'll have to say ladies first, won't we? Right. So would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Sue Kelvin, and I play Grandma Gelman in Caroline or Change. And Hi, I'm Aaron Galkoff and I play Noah in Carolina Change. Of course, you are actually the grandson of this this great grandma Gelman here, aren't you? So, um, uh, but what's so wonderful is that in some ways you're the second lead in this show. I would say. I mean, I've never seen uh, someone as young as you have to take, you know, so much weight of a show. It's incredible. I mean, I hope no one said this to you before you did it because they might have put you off. How does it feel to be up there with? That great Caroline, played by Sharon D. Clark, that great voice, and you're the other voice on stage. Yeah, Sharon's absolutely incredible on and off stage, and everyone's just so lovely, and it just makes it even more easier when the whole cast are just so lovely, and it's like a big family. Well, because it literally, you know, you're playing a family, and yes, I liked it. I like to hear that. I'll tell you what I really wanted to ask you first, in a way, well, both of you, obviously. Um, Aaron... Preparation for the show, because we probably might remember the history. We were probably there when Kennedy was assassinated. He was actually assassinated on my husband's birthday, and he, my husband obviously being a, a child himself at the time. But that's that's a pretty horrible thing to have to remember every year on your birthday. But how much historical background and delving did you two do when you were preparing to be in the show, and how did you do it? Should we start with you, Sue, or... or? Do you mean historical delving to do... Yeah, um, with with the background, because it's such a specific time and place, this show, isn't it? Well, I suppose, uh, you know, being Jewish, I don't have to know how how Jewish people are. It's just something Mm. that's in my DNA. Um, I did a show years ago called Assassins that looked at the Mm. death of JFK by uh, Stephen Sondheim. Yeah, it's a wonderful show. But obviously, with regards to our show, the death of JFK is a sort of tectonic moment, really, Mm. um, because it, it is a moment of great change. And, you know, I suppose I was I was very aware of that. And of the sort of, I've seen many, many documentaries on um, on Kennedy. Now, I also did a show called Anassus, which mm. was to do with the relationship between Jackie Anassus and um, Aristotle Anassus. And, and so the, that had a huge background, a huge Kennedy background, actually. Mm. And we did a lot of research on that show about Kennedy, who is actually a very kind of controversial figure. I mean, I know in many ways he was completely deified by sort of modern-day America, although in our show, Grandpa Stopnik questions mm. what Already an amazing that. person mm. he was. Mm. Um, but he is, he is a controversial figure, which makes him even more interesting, I think. Yes. So, I mean, before you, Aaron, before you came to the show, I'm sorry just to go on about this, but this isn't sort of the Jewish bit at all, but this yeah. is sort of fascinates me. How much would you have been aware of the history of America? Because they're not terribly aware of the history of the UK, I believe. Yeah, before I came here, I didn't know much about the history of America and um, the civil rights movement in America. But when I came here, I learned so much more about all of the historical backgrounds of 
the Jewish people in America and the black people in America. Yeah, but that's what's so fascinating about this. That you know, these, there are these two minorities, but actually one of them is really quite wealthy and, and well off, and the other one is fighting for its civil rights. And this, 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 this somehow came much more clear this time to me watching the show. I don't know why. I don't know what was different. There was something, something maybe because I've seen it before. <laughs> it's the third time I've seen it. I saw the original production at, at the National Theatre. But it really did strike me what, you know, that this one, that there are these two families at the heart of it. That the, Thibodeau, is that how they pronounce her the name? Tip, Thibodeau. 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 Yes. So there's Caroline, who is this one parent family with several kids. And she's struggling. There she is, working away daily in this laundry all day for not very much money. And then there's, there's your family, the Gelmans, who have this terrible tragedy, which you're going to tell me about in a minute, a personal tragedy, but you're well off. So it, it, that's m more interesting than I thought. I mean, that's really the, the heart of the show, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, both the families are facing difficulties, but the funny thing is, is how um, one family's wealthy and one family's poorer, but they're still both struggling. Mm. Now, do you want to explain your particular grief and, and struggling because you're, you're eight or nine years old in the show aren't you yes noah is an eight-year-old boy who is currently grieving over the loss of his mother and it's now the hanukkah after she's gone and he doesn't have anyone to talk to and but the only person he can talk to is caroline and he thinks of her as an amazing person and he calls her the president of the united <laughs> states <laughs> So, the the relationship between Noah and Caroline, it's slightly one-sided. Mm. So, she doesn't show him much. She's um, indestructible, is what his mother told him, and implacable. So, yeah. And then... But that relationship changes in Act 2 of the show because of pocket change. Oh, yes, we, we need to explain the title. Well, should, should we do that? Before we explain the title, should we just explain that the other thing, which I think is very hard for somebody as, as young as your character... Remind us, you're, you're actually 12, is that yeah. right? You said? Yeah. Oh, but you're, you're playing eight, yeah. so... Um, is that your father's remarried really quite fast, hasn't he? Yeah, he has remarried very quickly to his dead wife's best friend. Which makes it sort of worse in a way, doesn't it? Because it would have been someone in your yeah. life, wouldn't it? Yeah, so it's very awkward for my character because he misses his mum so much and there's this um, energetic lady just, like, coming into his room and trying to hug him and he doesn't want that. That's really hard for her. I mean, if you haven't had a child... I mean, and then, then of course, grandparents are usually the rock. So, and it must be hard. Do you, Sue, as a, a, do you think with your character, why isn't he turning to me? Or, I mean, why is he down in the... In the laundry room all the time and what do how, what's your sort of take on your your relationship with with oh well um, i am the sort of classic doting jewish grandmother <laughs> i think he's wonderful mm. and i feel very protective towards him but i think i've i've obviously witnessed for years he's had this incredible relationship with caroline for a long time even what you know when his mother was alive she was the the mainstay of their lives and kept the whole house going so i think i I recognise what an important relationship that is. And I know that things with Rose, my new daughter-in-law, are tricky. You know, Rose, despite trying her very, very best, doesn't quite cut it. 
she and her relationship with Noah is is very very difficult um through no fault of her own really she's maybe trying too hard mm. and it's all too soon mm. the whole yeah. thing and and your father is quite withdrawn isn't he really i mean how would you describe the way your father is coping with with the whole thing um he's really struggling because he's now very distant from everyone else as he can't give his wife what she needs like um and he can't he, the only thing he can do is tuck his son into bed and and he's just very different he's not in the same world as everyone else because he's grieving and sad so there is you know this huge depth yeah. of of grief in your family and yeah. then of course he's uh, actually I, I, i'm probably being very naive it, it does your, the actor who plays your father actually play the clarinet or is that somebody else playing it because there's a wonderful clarinet he's supposed to be this brilliant clarinetist alistair doesn't actually play the clarinet um and it's played by a really really good clarinetist in the orchestra. Oh, right, I, I thought it but might yeah. be, but he's awfully good at looking as if he's yeah. playing the clarinet. I mean, he's got all the movement right, so he's obviously been practising that like mad. Yeah. So he retreats into his music, but it's sort of a treat for us, because yeah. that's where, particularly at Hanukkah, we get that klezmer yeah. feel, and you know, you, you do sort of hide, hide what you're going through, because there's a lot of dancing, isn't there? You, I mean, which is your favourite bit in the whole show? I really actually enjoy the fight between Noah and Caroline. Oh, just, okay. Yeah. Um, it shows so many emotions mm. that's just built up inside Noah and built up inside Caroline, and they just let everything out, but mm. it goes too far. Yes. Well, should we just... We, we won't give too much away, but do you want to yeah. just explain... Let's just explain some of the reasons why the show's called Caroline or Chain, the one that's mostly to do with you. Should we explain that? Um... So it's called Caroline or Change because for both Caroline's family and Noah's family, change is happening. So um, change is happening because um, Noah's mother's died and everyone needs to change their ways because Rose is now the new mother figure. And But also in America, there's change happening because of the assassination of JFK. So um, that's a big... That's a big thing that's just happened. Um, and with Caroline's family, she's experiencing change because she's got four kids. One of them is fighting in Vietnam and she's got three of her own. And she's struggling because she only gets paid $30 a week and it's just very hard for her and she wants change. Do you know what, I was sitting there trying to work out, not not during the show, afterwards, I was trying to actually do the maths on how much that was a year, and it's terrible, because I was trying to remember how much money I earned when I went to work, which was long after that, because I was at school then, But and I thought, you know, it's not much, it really isn't much, no, it really isn't. No, but there is this other, I, I mean, I'm sure the word change, as in change in your pocket, is very important, yeah. so you we better explain that because that's that's this sort of small change yeah so during the show um rose makes a new rule that when noah leaves pocket change in his pocket caroline gets to keep it and take it home and this rule um evolves into this big tragedy because he accidentally leaves his hanukkah present a 20 dollar bill in his pocket mm. and then 
that kind of changes everything for the so pocket change changes everything in the relationship between Noah and Caroline as Caroline decides whether to take the $20 bill home or not. Because she's sort of not been taking the money home, has she? Yeah. She's been putting it in a little pot specially. Yeah. Mm. Mm. She, she normally puts it in the bleach cup, but this time it's so much money, she's mm. kind of thinking about maybe to take it home. I see. It, it, I, I don't know. I mean, Tony, that, I think that whole side of it, Tony Cushion must have just been a brilliant storyteller yeah. um, and, and just in, invented it all. But, of course, we know that his background is this background in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And because one thing I know very little about, you always think of Jews being in New York, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Or possibly in California. You know, mm-hmm. we know they were all out there inventing the movies and stuff like mm-hmm. that and so forth. But this whole business of there being Jews in the Deep South is strange. So did you look into that quite a lot? Well, it, uh, Caroline or Change is deeply autobiographical um, from Tony Kushner's point of view. Uh, his mother didn't actually die, but she was very, very ill mm. when he was a child. He had an incredibly close relationship with their black maid, who was called Morty, who was, you know, a, a difficult, truculent, but deeply loved character. And, um, you know, he came from a very comfortable... Jewish family, but there were only a hundred Jews living in Lake Charles in That's in the sixties. So it was a very small community, tiny, I mean, tiny community. I mean, you had to leave if you wanted to get married. Wouldn't yeah, you? and his parents were both classical musicians as well. Oh. So, you know, there's there's a lot of that. But I was thinking you were talking about change. The change is also to do with the change in that's come about through the Black Civil Rights mm. Movement, which was is crucial to the show mm. as well. Um, and, of course, Caroline is stuck in the middle of that. Her daughter, mm. Emmy, um, is, in, you know, a sort of burgeoning political character who is very caught up and influenced by, the, by Martin Luther King and the black civil rights movement, although, of course, King was a pacifist, unlike other, mm. uh, you know, people like the Black Panthers, but they were slightly later. But she was very, she's very inspired by, mm. by that and the possibility of being educated and having a decent life. But Caroline is very, very stuck mm. and deeply frustrated by the fact that she can't really change because she's illiterate and she's got four children and she is deeply, deeply stuck. But there is hope with the next generation and her daughter kind of epitomises that, really. Yeah, There's always this thing, isn't there, that we, it, it going, it, having to hand something on to another generation to do, yeah. isn't there? I mean, yeah. that, And very specifically, as you say, with it's too late. Yes, and yes. so she's got to invest her hope in the future. Yeah, which is yeah. where maybe where she's going to invest your your that that bill that uh, dollar bill. How many dollars is it again? Twenty, is it? Yeah, twenty dollars. Yeah, bill. so yeah. We, uh, which is a fortune yeah. to her, as you so rightly say. We probably should just mention there's this very surreal element to it that is terribly clever. I mean, that's I don't know whether Tony and, and Janine worked it out between them that the all the various domestic appliances are represented by people. And my favourite, quite honestly, being the washing machine because that soap sud dress is so incredible because <laughs> it looks like loads of glitter balls and sequins, but actually they're soap suds, aren't they? Yeah. Or, or somewhere between the yeah. two. What a brilliant idea. A radio that is uh, pretty well the Supremes, and yeah. it's just incredible. So do you, do you happen to know, either of you, what, did they come up with that together? How did that ever happen? What a brilliant idea. 
I don't know. I, I mean, I think the idea is that Caroline is very isolated in the mm. basement and these machines are kind of her only colleagues mm. and friends. So probably why not characterise mm. them, you know, and bring them to life because they are her life mm. in that basement where mm. she is all day. Um, I, I, You know, I think... Um, Obviously, Tony Kushner, in Angels in America, there's a very strong surreal element to that play as well. Mm. He's not somebody who goes for easy naturalism. No, no, that's perfectly all. true. You know, he, he takes things on to a very sort of magical level uh, mm. in, in a lot of his work, I think. Yeah. And Aaron, you're the one who has to sort of... You, they're sort of surrounding you more, possibly, than they are than they are Sue. So um, how did that grab you? I mean, it's, it's, it's so it's an utter delight, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's just so much fun with all of the radios and the washing machine and the evil dryer. Oh, yeah, the dryer. Yeah. Isn't he wonderful? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely brilliant. He gets to play the bus as well, doesn't he? The bus, yeah. Mm. So Echo Mitchell, mm. he's amazing. He plays the bus, the dryer... And the Navy man in the oh, second. right, yes, yes, yes. The man who broke her heart. The man who broke oh. her heart, yeah, yeah the yeah. father of her children. Yes, yeah. of course. Which is kind of, we realise much later on in the show, don't we, where her rage and her anger, mm. where a lot of it comes from, is her heartbreak yeah. and yeah. being abandoned, yeah. really. Yeah. I really want to talk about the music as well. Um, so Janine Tesori, I hope I've pronounced that correctly, is this absolutely astonishing composer... I find myself singing bits of it, particularly your little song, you know, Caroline. <laughs> so how, is it hard music to learn? Because it's absolutely gorgeous. I don't know whether it gets like in your head like an earworm as well, but tell me all about you particularly, because you, you, Aaron, have so much singing to do. Yeah. Um, the music is incredible. It's got loads of different strands of music. They've got klezmer music, soul music, clarinet, They've got everything, and it's just so uplifting for the audience and the cast to listen to and watch. And Janine, she's just amazing. Um, she's an amazing composer. And the way she expresses um, the, the script of Tony Kushner is just incredible. Yeah. I mean, you're on pretty near the beginning, holding down songs, aren't you? And is that, yeah. I mean, was that scary to start with? I expect it's Water for Ducks back now, but it must have been, you know, when you yeah. first did it. Yeah, you always, like, on the first night, get the nervous chills. But once you get into it, you just really enjoy it. Mm. And even when you are nervous, I, I still enjoy it, and it's just so much fun. I suppose you need the nerves, don't you? Did, did you get to meet Janine? Did she come over? Yeah, she came over and she watched the show and she spoke to us and she was just very lovely. Yeah, you've got such a great band, haven't you? What about Tony himself? He yeah. came. Um, I didn't do the Chichester production. I don't oh, is that think when you he came? Did, did you, Aaron? Yeah, I saw but it. He yeah. came. I know he came uh, on the last night of our run at Hampstead and he was very excited. Mm by the show, um, very moved by it, which was a big thing for us, wasn't it? Because he is, you know, he's a legend. He, and he a really is, a deserved Brilliant, mm. probably the greatest living American playwright, you mm. know. Mm. So it's very exciting to know that he was happy with the production. Yeah, so he must very be pretty... gratifying. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he must be pretty thrilled, you know, about the whole transfer. And it's going well, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's received like loads of five star reviews. Especially from me. <laughs> yeah. Um, loads of the newspapers, most all of the newspapers that have reviewed it have given us five stars, four stars. And can you feel in the auditorium? Can you can you feel you know the, the love, so to speak? You know what people are getting yeah. from it. Are they leaning forward? Can you sort of feel that? Yeah, ev- everyone in the audience is always smiling, and they're like in the uplifting parts. Mm. We and get a standing ovation yeah. every night. Oh, that's so, that's so good. Yeah. Incredibly gratifying. Mm. You know. Can you tell me a bit about this scheme, Lauren? If we're getting more black kids in to see the show, do you know about that? Five hundred tickets were sold out through the Black Ticket Project for. Um, black people who don't normally get the chance to go to the theatre and they get to come and see the show and also see that it's their history, really. Mm. So it's it's a really important story to be told nowadays because of, yeah, everything that's happening at the moment with there's still racism around and anti-Semitism. So it's really important now to be told. I was reading up an article that Tony Kushner wrote about how this show came about but he wrote it when it was on at the National Theatre and there was just this sort of dark little thing about American presidents saying not they're not all like um, they're not all like Kennedy Uh, it was almost as if he was prophetic in a way wasn't it because they're certainly not all like Kennedy and whatever answers Kennedy has we're we're seeing much more confrontation now than than any sort of attempt at, at at bringing sides together. So what, what do you think, Sue, is uh, the experience that we see in this show that might bring black people and Jews together or drive them apart, I suppose? Well, ironically, hideously ironically, just before we started the show um, at Hampstead, the Charlottesville riots had taken oh. place, which is the most extraordinary kind of timely coincidence, isn't it, where you know, um, right-wing supremacists marched, part of their objection being the taking down of Confederate statues. Which is something that happens in the play, that exactly. a statue is pulled down yes, by, by black activists. Ironically, they were char- not only were they chanting anti-black slogans, they were also chanting violently anti-Semitic mm. slogans. Mm. So, you know, sadly, things... Things haven't changed. And if you look also at what was happening in the 60s to kind of major black entertainers like Nat King Cole, mm. who had a burning cross put in his garden when he moved to an affluent suburb, had his dog poisoned, had dog's feces stuck through his his letterbox. People like um, Lena Horne, when she went swimming, had the swimming pool drained after she'd been swimming. People like Sammy Davis Jr. at the absolute top of their game weren't allowed to perform in the same clubs as Sinatra. Mm. I mean, it's it's quite quite extraordinary that, that, that that's the sort of background. And obviously, you know, there is, like in the show, there is a big sort of class difference between the, the Jewish family and the black family. And also, you know, the thing is, obviously for black people, there's no place to hide, whereas for Jews, not everyone knows when people no, are Jewish, but I still you, think that, you yes. tap mm. stuff, don't mm. you? And that racism is there. And I think he's very much looking at that, really. And and I, and the thing about you know when people are okay, they like to keep quiet sometimes. And I think the Gelman family like things to be nice mm. and okay, and just get on with it. Whereas obviously the Black family don't have that luxury. 
in a way. They're still in the, mm. at the forefront of the battleground, aren't they? And it sounds like that's still, particularly with what's going on in America today, it's, mm. it's very much reflects that. Yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. timely, this show. And I think that's why audiences react to it in the way that they do. Mm. It just absolutely hits the nail on the head. It's bizarrely, hideously timely, you know, and... Yeah makes it even more profound to be a part of it, really. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about both of you, actually. Aaron, tell me a bit about your, your background, especially your, your Jewish background, if you don't mind. We, we normally ask everybody this. So where, where do you go to school? Where do you go to synagogue? All that stuff, if you don't mind. Thank you. So um, I went to Ilford Jewish Primary School mm-hmm. um, until I was 11, so last, last year. Mm. Um and I'm now in year eight at West Hatch High School, and I'm doing my mitzvah in June. Ooh, a muscle top on that. So which, which synagogue is that? Chigwell and Hainault United mm. Synagogue. Wow. Gosh, so you're deep into learning it, are you? Yes, I've got most of the way through, and then, yeah. I'm not going to ask whether you're going to sing it or not, because you are, aren't you? Do you know what? There'll be standing room only, literally, in that congregation. They'll be queuing up, won't they? And will you invite your friends from the cast here? I hope you will. Yeah, I'm inviting a lot of the people, a lot of the, a lot of the kids from the... Are you going to sing your Haptorah as well? Yeah. Oh, gosh. And I have to just say that Aaron's mum is here, and she is beaming with anticipation already, aren't you? <laughs> I am indeed. He's had to learn the um, of piece quite early because of obviously the shows, mm. so he's done that very quickly and we're just doing recaps every so often uh, just so he doesn't forget it. But we've heard good, good reports from the rabbi that's teaching him. Perhaps this ought to be broadcast in some way. <laughs> oh, absolutely thrilling. It's fantastic. So you, you've got already a body of work behind you. I mean, we know Sue's got an incredible body of work, which we should talk about very briefly in a moment. But um, what you've already been in Joseph and the Miserable and all sorts, haven't you? So what's been your... I'm sure this must be your favourite role today, but what else? Um, I really enjoyed being in Les Mis. I was in Les Mis in the West End for a year. What did you play? I played Gavroche. I, th- I knew you were going to say that, I didn't even bother to ask, but yes, okay. But yeah, um, that was a really fun part to play mm. on the barricade. But the funny thing is, it was going on for 30 years when I was in it, and I was the first Gavroche in 30 years to fall off the barricade. <laughs> Hope you didn't hurt yourself. No, I had to go into A&E. <laughs> no! Yeah, I fell six foot from the top of the barricade. Oh my goodness, were you in, Mum? No, it was rehearsals, oh, and I went to pick him up, oh, and um, he had a football on the back of his head, oh. and it was quite scary. They didn't think he'd ever go back in there to carry on with the rehearsals, oh. but two days later, he was back up there. And Why am I not surprised? I'm sure he's a trooper. <laughs> saw it out for the next year. Yeah. It was a six-month contract, then it was extended, mm. and then after that, he went off and toured with Chitty, Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah, yes, so that I've seen that as well. That's an incredible show. I love that one. So that must have been a lot of fun. Yeah, mm. That was very fun, touring for six months, mm. going to loads of different venues in the UK mm. with um, Jason Manford, he was in it. The My twin in it, um, Jemima, she was played by Daisy Redette, and she, she was just the loveliest person ever. Who was the female lead? Because there's a, I can't yeah. remember what she does, but I remember Emma Williams playing it originally because I interviewed her and she was adorable. She um, yeah, um, Carrie Hope Fletcher. Oh, yes, she's very good. 
Yes, um, I did Lay Miz with her, and then oh. it just happened that we did Chitty together, and she played Truly Scrumptious. Yeah, so that's what Truly Scrumptious, I remember that wonderful name. So, what happens when you're touring out of London, though? That must be really hard. How do you do school? Um, we would get tutored every morning, oh. and then after we did tutoring, we would go to the oh. to the theatre and perform. Gosh. What are your ambitions? I don't know. Um, this year, I'm picking my options for my GCSEs. So I'm going to do that, and I, re I really want to continue acting when I'm older, and it's just what I love to do, and it, yeah. I'd be astonished if you didn't, and having that voice, now I'm sure your voice will transition, because um, I, I, there have been other famous boy sopranos and so forth who've managed it, haven't there? So uh, I have great hopes that you'll be a wonderful tenor or whatever it is in the future. Hope You hope to be that, I'm sure. Yes, thank yeah. you. Yeah, And Sue, who has... Got an incredible voice, absolutely brilliant. And we first met when you were playing Soph, Sophie Tucker, yeah. the a great Jewish legend. And um, we, we were together on Woman's Hour on that one, weren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what have you been up to in the last little while? Well, I've done Wicked twice since mm -hmm. then. I did a show called Bette Midler and Me, right. which was a, a, a sort of one... Well, actually, it wasn't one. There were three of us doing that, but it was based very much on my life and Bette Midler's life. Oh, that's um, nice. Which was really nice. I did Private Lives in the West End and, um, and Nassus and... Um, Went back to the National, I did a play called Travelling Light. Oh, I saw that. The, yeah, I yeah, saw you in that. Jewish that. experience, the, the beginnings of Hollywood, mm, really, yeah. from the shtetl to, yes, it was to um, you know, Malibu or wherever. Yes, so it was things about, like that. It was a wonderful play. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, yeah. absolutely super. It, it's amazing how much, how many Jewish stories there are to tell. I mean, it keeps me busy just trying to keep up with all the theatre and so forth that there is. I don't know why, but we seem to be out there, don't we? Well, the, it's, a, it's a very vivid story, isn't mm. it? Yes, if I and, interviewed you know, Nick Heitner about that It's a very one, dramatic yeah. story, the yes. sort of Jewish history, really. And yes, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. We, we've got a dramatic history. <laughs> OK. <So. laughs> well, look, I wish you both all the... Uh, both a brilliant future, and I know I'm going to be reading about you a lot, Aaron. I just know this. And, um, and it won't just be your photograph in the Jewish Chronicle when you have your permits. It'll be a bit more than that, I think, don't you? So thank you so much for talking to me today. I really, really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And thank you, thank too, you. Sue. Thank you. It's enormously. been lovely.